are listening to the Peds Therapy Collective, where parents, clinicians, and practitioners of all kinds come together to share and grow from an interdisciplinary perspective. Today's episode of Peds Therapy Collective is going to focus on what it means to be in a calm and alert state. And I want to talk about this from the perspective of both the parent, the clinician, and the child, because all of us are on this therapy team and we need to work together to to reach the child's goals or to improve their outcomes or whatever we're trying to accomplish. And so just to kind of put it out there, what I'm talking about reaching this calm and alert state is, is true for everybody. It doesn't matter whether you are two years old or 102 years old. In order for new learning to take place, in order for listening to take place, we need to be in this calm and alert state. It is, you know, something that we are we're trying to have our kids use their cognitive brains for thinking and for learning and absorb, absorbing information, and we expect this of them, but whether you are the clinician or you are the parent, you also need to be in this calm and alert state because communication obviously is a two-way street and we need to be paying attention and aware of what's going on with our child to help respond to them. And I know this I know this from all sides being somebody who, you know, was a child and now as a parent and as a physical therapist, um I definitely am not able to meet my children's needs if I am not in that calm and alert state. Um, And we need to make sure that our focus is completely on the child at this time. And so, um, you know, whether that means putting down the phone or turning off the TV or just limiting our distractions, checking in with ourselves and kind of seeing where we are in in our heads right now. Um, in order for our kids to be present with us, we need to first be present with them. And so this speaks to, um, you know, modeling. Even though your child may not be verbal yet or maybe have limited language skills, um, whether you're the parent or the clinician, you need to be modeling the behaviors you want to see with them. So I know as a as a parent, I have had to really do a lot of work on managing my own emotions, on not getting so loud, not being so reactive with my kids. Um, and I'm talking about my own three children, not the not the patients that I work with. Um, because that's that's the behavior I'm I'm demonstrating to them. If I'm quick to react and quick to yell, they are going to have a lot more difficult time learning to create that space, to take the moment, to take the breath. 
before they react. And yes, you know, this is definitely a learned behavior. And for myself, it's it's been a process. I've really had to intentionally think about this and intentionally find strategies to to work on it. And my main strategy is to use meditation. Just the 15 minutes uh, once or twice a day, twice is what I'm my goal is, can help me achieve that calm and alert state a lot more easily because I've, I've practiced um, coming into that calm mind. And obviously we need to practice to get better at something. But even as a clinician, you know, there's so many things that are going on in a treatment session, so many distractions. And um, if you, you know, fall prey to those distractions, you're not going to be able to be picking up on the cues of, of the child that you're working with. And that will lead to not being able to kind of watch for triggers. And it's obviously a lot more difficult to help that child walk back into that calm state as opposed to if we can just kind of keep them there in that, in that zone. And so, you know, we are all sensory beings and we learn information from our environment and from within our bodies. That information gives us a feeling, gives us a thought, an emotion, and then we react to that. And kind of thinking about what in your environment is triggering you to feel upset or to feel uneasy or frustrated. And and then if you are noticing that in your body, you can start to um, be aware of that escalation. And this is what we are asking our children to do as well. We're asking them to pay attention to the way that they feel in their body so that they can make better choices. Um, I think sometimes as a parent or as an adult, we don't think about it from this perspective because, I don't know, maybe we think we know better or maybe we think, um, you know, we already have the right answer. The way we're doing it is, is the way we're doing it. But if we think about it from the child's perspective, here we're asking them to do X, Y, or Z with their body or with their language or pay attention at this time. And yet we as the adult maybe aren't following through with that same um, level of awareness and commitment to, kind of, to following those same guidelines. So before we can ask this of our child or the, or the patient that we're working with, we really need to have some self-reflection and look at how we ourselves need to be in this calm and alert state. So again, like limiting the distractions and having a plan or a structured process in mind of what we want to expect um, and noticing triggers within our body or no noticing sensations in our body if we're starting to feel out of control or we're starting to feel overwhelmed. Um, you know, are you talking faster? Are you getting, you know, hands sweaty? Do you start to feel tension in your neck or back? So if you can start to build an awareness of some of these physical symptoms or cues, you can catch yourself before you go off the edge. 
or you can notice that, yeah, I'm making dinner right now and my attention is on that. I'm feeling stressed because your partner's coming home in the next half an hour and you need to get this finished. So when your child comes up and asks you a question, you may find yourself more reactive. Well, your child isn't meaning to <laughs> bug you or, or cause you stress. They just want to, they have a need that needs to be met. Um, and your reaction to them may come off uh, out of out of proportion just because you right now are not in that calm and alert state. So, you know, what can you do to kind of help prevent that, that you don't fly off at the handle automatically at them just because they came up and had a question for you? And this is, again, something that takes a lot of practice and some people naturally do better with this than others. Um, and then, of course, the, the more we have invested emotionally in the situation, um, the harder it is for us to create that space. Or at least initially, it is hard. Uh, it's something that can be learned. So when I go into a patient's home and I'm, I'm not you know 100% emotionally invested with that child, I have an easier time stepping back, taking the bigger picture in, and um, staying calm in the moment, even though the child is having a tantrum or screaming or doing whatever, because that's not my kid. And I can use more of an objective point of view because it's not my kid. Now, if that was me in my house with my own children, it's a different dynamic. Do I still have the capacity and the ability to take to take that standpoint of uh, more of an objective observer and and making creating that space between the impulse and my action? Absolutely, I do. But it's going to take more work on my part because I have set, you know the strong emotions or feelings wrapped up in whatever's going on in the moment. So if I have the capacity to do it when I'm working as a client with, with my clinician, excuse me, if I have the capacity to do it as a clinician working with my clients, I absolutely have the capacity to do it with my own family. It just needs for me to, to develop that awareness, for me to develop and hone my skills of being able to be present in the moment, aware of what's going on in my environment and within my own body, so that I can create that space and work through that thought and determine what's the best course of action. So strategies that I do use, absolutely, I take that breath. Um, I'll let my child know in that calm voice that right now is not a good time for mom. Um, and this is where having that structure or having my schedule will help me not feel so rushed. If I have kind of things planned out a little bit more, I can be more resilient in the moment when something unexpected comes up. If I am more scattered th that afternoon and something unexpected comes up, it, it's going to be a lot harder for me to stay present and aware so, um, you know, does this happen perfectly every single time? No, <laughs> absolutely not. 
but the more um, planning I can do, the better I'll be able to handle those unexpected circumstances. So again, whether you're the parent or the clinician, these things come up and um, think about ways that right now maybe it's working well for you. Strategies that you use. There's a, I hope you can't hear that vibration, but there's like five big army helicopters flying over my house right now. Um, So there's, my house is vibrating, Um, but Think about what's working well with you, with your kids, with the patients that you're seeing, and how you do stay in that calm and alert state of mind. And then think about times that you weren't. And what things can we change to help ourselves stay in that calm and alert space so that we can ask the same of of our children or of the patients that we're working with. So I'll leave that with you today. And um, just, you know, you can write me a comment if you are part of our Facebook community. We have a new Peds Therapy Collective Global on Facebook. And you can join our group. And we're a community of, of parents and clinicians and community partners who are wanting to share and learn from another one another. If you are a clinician, uh, you are more than welcome to join the Peds Therapy Collective where we are you know, discussing um, from a multidisciplinary perspective providing pediatric therapy no matter whether you're working in the home or in the clinic, in the hospital, um, in the schools. We really want to include everybody and we want to look at it from a multidisciplinary approach because again, we're treating the whole child and we want to learn from each other to, to grow our, our skills as a, as a clinician. So depending on who you are and where you um, belong, we want to hear from you. Thank you so much for listening to me today. And um, we'll look forward to talking with you again next time. It's Christine from the Peds Therapy Collective podcast, as well as the Healthcare Advocacy podcast. And today I wanted to tell you about a volunteer organization that I helped co-found with Kristen Parsons. It's called Nightlight Inpatient Parent Support, and it's a free hotline for parents when they're in the hospital to reach out to another mom or dad who has been there before. So being in the hospital with your kid can be a very lonely and scary place, even if you're just there for a few days. And yes, there is support staff in the hospital, social workers, pastors, chaplains, but another parent, another parent to vent to, another parent to just talk about where the best coffee shop is or what are they going to do now um, just to get some of those feelings and thoughts out of their head and into a space that's safe for them 
was something that was missing and I know that the hospitals themselves can't provide it because of all of the privacy regulations so that's why Kristen and I made this group so what we need from you is word of mouth getting this out to parents families hospitals right now this is starting in Denver but we really want this to be a nationwide program. We have about 10 volunteers right now who are waiting to get a phone call from somebody. And all it requires is the parent calls in, lets us know what's going on, and we get back to the parent within 24 hours. So it's a really simple process. We just need help getting the word out that we even exist. And the advertising that is on this podcast and the Healthcare Advocacy Podcast will go directly to purchasing uh, items for, um, for us to be able to distribute across the nation. So whether that is business cards or pamphlets or flyers, um, it will help us grow as an organization. So thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Please share it with your family and friends and uh, search for the Healthcare Advocacy Podcast as well because that is another great resource for you uh, to learn about all aspects of healthcare advocacy. multidisciplinary approach to pediatric therapy. Whether you are a clinician or a parent or just a community partner interested in pediatric therapy, this podcast is for you. We examine a variety of topics, looking at it from all angles. On this podcast, we'll have a panel of two to three participants talking about a variety of topics that we get from our Facebook group. So we have two different Facebook groups that you can join. One is specifically for clinicians only, and that's called the Peds Therapy Collective. The other group is more of a parent empowerment group. We're looking to help encourage and empower parents to understand that they have everything they need within them right now to help their child. And just for a little bit of support, we have our clinicians there in the group to help give guidance and point you in the right direction, get you down that right path um, to feeling successful with working with your child in whatever therapy they need, whether it's speech therapy, physical therapy, occupational therapy, maybe they're seeing a vision therapist, maybe they're working with um, an ABA therapist, Wherever you are right now, maybe your child is dealing with dyslexia, autism, ADHD, we really want to support you because our pediatric therapists have many specialties and we're here to help kind of bring everybody's knowledge together and offer that to you and also offer it to our clinicians so that we can better um, educate ourselves and really grow as professionals. So sit back and listen to our episode.